everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 86, and I'm talking with Courtney Freyricks. This is Courtney's second time on All Have Another. She was on episode 50 back in the day with her teammates, Colleen Quigley and Shelby Houlihan. These girls all run for the Bowerman Track Club. I was so excited to talk with Courtney again. Um, The last time we talked, she had just finished... Uh, competing at the Olympics in Rio, and since then, she has gotten married, and she also won a silver medal at the World Championships in London this year. If you guys have not seen the video of her race, she's a steeplechaser, you need to go Google it. Go look it up, because it is incredible, phenomenal. Go look it up, and then listen to the episode, because then the episode will be that much more special. Loved talking to Courtney. She has such an amazing future ahead of her. In this episode, we talk about how her and her husband met. You guys know I love those kind of stories. And we talk about her training, what it was like and how it differed from Rio to London, what her future goals are, how special it is that she has this awesome relationship with her teammates at the Bowerman Track Club, and overall just a wonderful, thoughtful, sweet conversation with Courtney. So excited to share it with you. Before we get started talking with Courtney, I want to thank Generation UCAN for supporting this podcast. Generation UCAN powders and bars have a super starch that give you a slow-release carb with no crash. They give you long-lasting energy without the sugar spikes. They're easy on the stomach. We all know that's important. And the super starch is the secret sauce in UCAN. There is literally nothing else like it. All my girlfriends are using it for their marathons this fall. I'm using it for my marathon this fall. You guys can try samples for under $5 plus free shipping if you go to generationucan.com slash samples. Now that's under $5 plus free shipping, generationucan.com slash samples. Save an additional 15% off of that if you use the promo code another all caps. Thanks Generation UCAN for being a part of this community. Hey, if you guys are loving the show, head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and review. It's one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. If you're looking for additional content from me and you want to hear the live show, head over to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash When you support the podcast on Patreon, you're supporting the production behind the show and everything that goes into it. And you're getting bonus episodes every month directly to your podcast app. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in every week and enjoy my conversation with Courtney. Hey, Courtney. Hey. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. How was your run? Really good. It was like my first like real long run back. So that was really fun. How far did you run? Um, I did 88 minutes. It was about 12. Um, I was up in the foothills. I'm in Albuquerque right now just for a quick trip. And so it was about, about up at about 6,000 feet and just nice and nice rolling hills. And it's a lot of fun. I, I love running up there. <laughs> 88 minutes seems like a very specific time. <laughs> yeah, so Jerry has us calculate our mileage based off eight-minute pace. So all of our runs go in eight-minute increments. So 88 gets to count as 11 miles. <laughs> okay. I remember you guys talking about that in the last interview. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that part. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so every run is in as it – explain that to everybody real quick again. So – for all our like easy runs, recovery, um, warm ups, cool downs, and then any long runs that aren't structured, 
um, we calculate the number of miles we ran based off eight minute pace, Okay. which most of the time we're not running eight minute pace. Sometimes in cool downs we are because we're, you know, pretty tired, but, um, it just helps us to focus on running a pace that is appropriate for that day and not getting caught up and, Oh, I have seven miles. I'm just going to crank it out as fast as I can. Mm. Cause maybe that isn't what is you know needed for that day. And we need to take it slow. And it also helps our mileage to naturally lower a little bit when we go up to altitude. Um, so we were putting in the same volume effort wise, but it might just be like a little bit lower since we're working a little bit harder while we're at altitude. So do you just lap your watch at eight minutes? Um, no, I actually, I let it run. I, you know, I still run with the GPS watch. Most of us do, um, you know, here it is interesting to kind of get a gauge of run sometimes in Portland, the GPS watches actually don't work particularly well because of the number of like trees and clouds and everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'll like look at it every once in a while, but I also just kind of just, Oh, I hit 48. So I have eight more minutes to 56 and that'll be my seven mile run for the day. So got it. Um, okay. So first of all, there's two big things that have happened to your in your life. You won a silver medal in London. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. I want to get into that. I know a lot of people are interested in hearing all about your experience there, but also you got married. I did. I think so, just kind of like right before we'd done the first interview. Okay. I, I Okay, because I couldn't remember if it was before or after, but I remember after the interview finding out, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, man, like she literally just got married, and I didn't even ask her about it or say congratulations. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. Um, yeah, we got married on New Year's Eve. So um, and we took – Jerry allowed us to have a really short honeymoon, and then – um, I went straight to Flagstaff, like basically right after the honeymoon was over. So. Oh my gosh. Tell me about that though. So how old are you, by the way? I'm 24. Oh, you're 24. Okay. Um, so where did you meet your husband? Is he a runner? Tell me that story. Yeah. So he ran at UMKC as well. Um, the first time we actually met was on a recruiting trip to UMKC. Okay. So in high school and, um, we started dating, Right after freshman year, we'd just gotten really close that semester, or that, that year. Uh, just, you know, we were training at the time he was going to do the steeple. So we were training together a lot and I was actually tutoring him in math and just had a lot of common interests. And so, um, yeah, we dated all through college. And then, um, whenever I decided to transfer, you know, it was one of those like, oh my gosh, like I didn't know how he would feel about it. Cause you know, I felt like we were at a point that I could see us getting married eventually, but here I was like, I'm going to go to a school 12 hours away, but he was the first person to tell me that I needed to go because he thought that that was in my best interest. And he's just been huge in my running career. He's always supported me and pushed me and held me to a really high standard as far as my running goes. And I think he's a huge part of why I've found success. So He's awesome. And he still runs. He's actually training for CIM right now, oh, which he okay. picked a, he picked a really good one to do. Um, I haven't, his name's Griffin. I don't know. If okay. people, know people might not know that, but, um, he, um, so I get to be spectator cause I, it's, you know, I can still travel during this time and, um, not be too, um, you know, too like zoned in on training to be able to take a weekend. And he's been putting in 120 mile weeks and I think he was doing 22 miles this morning. So, um, it's been fun to be able to watch him, uh, you know, really go after a big goal, um, this fall. And so I've really enjoyed that. Is, will this be his first marathon? It will be, he's run three halves. And so he felt like he was ready to move up. Um, in college, he, 
he's, you know, his gift, he's one of those people that he can run a lot of miles. Okay. And, um, so in college he put in several years of hundred mile weeks and he decided that, you know what, like I have that base under my belt. So let's, let's go ahead and move up and see how it goes. And so the 120 is a new, new territory for him, but it's been going really well. So that is so many miles. I know he runs twice a day, every day, except for long runs. And and he's so dedicated to it. I mean, I tell you, it's so inspirational for me to watch that because he's running for the pure love of running, you know, and, you know, it, it's my job, but he's doing it because he wants to and he just absolutely loves it. And here he is 11 in the morning, six in the evening every day. And, I'm, you know, that that inspires me to really, you know, to get out the door and work really hard. Cause it's like he's he's doing it for nothing for the pure love. And I absolutely love that. Is he taking a break from work or what is he, how does he get all that in? Um, no, he's not. So he works at fleet feet and then he's also a volunteer assistant coach with Portland state. And then he has like another small marketing job that he does as well. So he has two part-time jobs and he work. he's a volunteer assistant for Portland state. He just, he doesn't like to sit around and do mm-hmm. nothing. So mm-hmm. he loves to be out doing things and so that's why he has the two jobs. And then um, he started coaching with Portland State in August. And it's been going so well. He really wants to be a college coach. And um, Colleen's for- former college coach at the end of her career, Josh Seitz, is actually the distance coach now at Portland State. And so um, had been able to make that connection um, with thanks to Colleen. And, and so it's been going really well. Josh is a lot of fun to be around. I think Griffin really enjoys learning from him and going, they've got a bunch of recruits coming in this weekend. So I get to hear all about that. And, you know, it's one of those, I'm like, well, we're on opposite schedules now, but he's so happy. And I would take that any day over him feeling like, you know, he's not moving in a direction toward a career that he wants to be. So, okay. So one more husband question, and then we'll get to all this other (laughs) exciting stuff. You didn't know I was calling to interview you about your husband. Did you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, what's his goal for CIM? I think He'd really like to be under 230. Okay. So he's run 69, like mid to low for a half, maybe 69.20. Okay. So obviously like 220 mid would be like an ideal goal like to get down to, but I think he wants to make sure he's not going in over his head for the sure. first marathon because he wants, he wants to do several. So he wants to, I think this, I think the marathon is definitely going to be his thing. So I'm really excited. Do you guys ever run together? We do. We do. I'll do a lot of some of my easy runs during the week with him. And then a lot of my doubles at night, just, just depending. Um, he's been so busy with work. I haven't been running with him in the morning too much because he's been up so early. I'm like, sorry, I need to sleep. But yeah. we do a lot of doubles together, which is really fun. And um, when he was staying, he stayed in London extra week after Worlds in the lead up to Birmingham and we ran a bunch that week and stuff. So it's nice that we're able to do that together since, you know, being a professional runner, we can't go and out and do a lot of things. Yeah. At least we have our runs together, which is really nice. Well, and I'll tell you what, as someone who's not a professional runner, I am also married to someone else who runs with me a lot and we have three kids and we, mm-hmm. Just ran 20 miles together while my mom watched oh my her kids. And, like, it, there is just something really nice at different phases in, in your life to be able to go just be away together. And if mm-hmm. that's while you're running, like, it's very refreshing. So 
It's special. It it's special too. So that's really cool that you guys have yeah. that connection. Yeah. I was almost certain that like when he proposed, he would have, he was going to do it on a run. But I was like, I feel like he just, that's what's going to happen. Where did he, where did he do it? <laughs> he proposed at the national champ, the national cross country championship, um, in 2015. Um, After I was running, yeah. So I was running for the university of New Mexico at the time and we won NCAAs that year. And he proposed after we got off the award stand. So it was definitely like totally unexpected, a huge shock. And um, it was perfect though. And the girls, he was, he was so funny. He's like, I don't want to take away from your guys' moment. Like, and they were like, we would have been so mad if we weren't here for this. Like, we're so happy that we got to see this. And so it was really cool. And um, there's actually, um, Flowtrack had it, like got a video of the proposal and everything. So there is like video online of the proposal. So <laughs> So Which is kind of, it's fun to have that. So we have, you know, how it happened forever. So it was a really, really good day. You're probably one of the first of your friends to get married, huh? Yeah. Um, a lot of people I went to high school with are married. Um, I grew up in Missouri and Southern. it's pretty common to, yeah. um, you know, yeah, Midwest style to, you know, kind of settle down early, but definitely in Portland and on the West Coast, one of the first to, to kind of settle down like that. But it just seemed right. You know, we were moving to Portland to start a new chapter of our life together. And it was like, why not be married during that, like the start of that chapter too. And it's been really nice. It's, it's nice. It's fun to make decisions together. And you know, it's us, it's not my boyfriend. It's, yeah. you know, it, and so I really enjoyed, enjoyed marriage so far. The first, uh, you know, 10, 10 months. 10 months. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and we, you know, we've spent just as much time apart as we have together, which is, hard sometimes. And I think that's, you know, it's going to be the reality of my current, you know, career, Sure. but he's so supportive in it all. And, and so it, it's been awesome to have him along the way. That's really special. Okay. So let's get to London. Okay. Talk to me about, well, first talk to me about your training and everything going into London compared to Rio. Um, yeah. So Going into Rio, I was definitely kind of like on the downslide as far as my fitness and training goes. And that was just, you know, it'd been a long season. I competed in NCAA that year. And so Rio was actually my third major championship of the year. Mm. And that's a lot. It was my third major championship in two months and or three months. And so, you know, that was a lot. And um, I was training well, but just not at a high enough level, I think, to really be super competitive, like toward the top. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think making, making the Olympic team, you know, right out of college was huge in setting my professional career off on like a really good note and like on on the right foot. Um, And it getting to experience the Olympics and everything was awesome. And I was happy with my performance, but I definitely left feeling like there was so much more that I wanted to do in the sport and so many things I wanted to work on. And I definitely felt like if I was going to find success at the international level, I really needed to learn how to take risks and not be so timid on the international stage. And I think that year in the NCAA had gone really, really well, but I'd gotten to a point that I knew the NCAA, I, I knew that I belonged at the top and then had confidence in that. And then when I got to international level, I definitely 
struggled with that. I put a lot of people on pedestals and, Mm -hmm. and just having seen all these professionals working out, I was just like, Oh my gosh, they train so much harder than I am right now, which was fine. You know, you can't, you can't train as a professional when you're in college. It just doesn't work that way. And so I think realizing that I had so much to work on was exciting. Like when Rio was done. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely took away. That's what I definitely took away from Rio was that it was good. I learned a lot, but now I need to put this stuff in place for the next, you know, several years that I'm trying to run. So when you went into London, did you, I mean, it sounds like you went into it with a lot more confidence, first of all. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I had run a PR already in the season amongst, you know, a pretty hard training block. And so we hadn't set myself up necessarily to run a PR. It just, I think the improvement in fitness alone had helped. So I felt like I was in a good place, um, as far as fitness was going. And, um, I'd finally learned to, I spent a lot of my college career training alone. Mm, Okay. And even at UNM in the cross country season, I was able to train with girls and it was amazing. And, I really learned what it was like to train with a team and that totally changed my perspective on running. And, but then when it came to steeple, I was kind of on my own again. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, it really took the whole year to learn how to train with the team in order to contribute and be a, be a part of the team because you know, we all have strengths and thing and, and and weaknesses, and to learn how to deal with those. And um, I think finally learning how to train with the team helped me to learn how to race with the race. If that makes sense. Yeah. And you. So, like, when you went into it, were you thinking, "I think I could medal"? I mean, obviously, you have to have confidence that you can. But did you really believe it? You know, I don't know that I. I didn't really obsess over the idea of like a result, you know, Jerry had put in my head, like put yourself in it, give yourself a chance. You never, any, his, his quote was, you never know you might sniff something special. Mm, Okay. And so, um, he didn't really go into detail what that special was just because, you know, with championships, you could run them 10 times and each, each time it's going to be a different result. And so had I walked away in sixth and, run 906, I would have been still ecstatic. And Mm -hmm. so um, he just wanted me to make sure I walked away from that race feeling like I had given myself the best possible opportunity to run well. And so, and, you know, he'd given me instructions to, you know, work with Emma. And I think that that was really, I was a little nervous about that because, you know, Emma is somebody I've looked up to for five years. And you know, she's been my idol as far as the steeplechase goes. And so I was, I was really nervous about the idea of going with her. But at the same time, I have so much respect for how she races. And I knew she was going to race smart. So there was a lot of comfort in that. Mm, I bet. What is that like when you're racing? I mean, obviously, Colleen is your counterpart teammate mm-hmm. in the steeplechase. Um, what is that like racing on the world stage where, like, Emma's your teammate now, too, because you're running for the USA? Mm-hmm. Like, what is that like working together? It's it's amazing. You feel like I honestly felt like we were a greater force out there mm. than 
two individuals. We were actually, we're truly running as a team. And, you know, I think in 2015, when I won the national championship uh, as a, a member of the University of New Mexico, um, we won because for those same reasons, because we were a greater power than seven people. We were, you know, we were a team out there. And I felt that same sort of feeling in the world's race. And I felt that feeling in the Olympic trials when Colleen and I made the team, um, you know, specifically when Colleen and I are out there, you know, we have very different strengths and we know how to work with those strengths. And, you know, if I see her doing something and I'm feeling a little bit or feeling a little down, it's like, okay, just focus on Colleen's back. You know, you train with her every day. And, you know, I, I hope that happens vice versa, um, with her. And I think I, I definitely felt that with Emma, I felt this, huge level of trust that she was going to run really smart and put herself in it. And I knew she, her, um, technique is amazing. So I knew I was going to be following someone who is a fantastic steeplechaser. And then I think whenever I did actually pass her, I think that like kind of flipped a switch on her too. And her too, that was like, okay, we're both going to go for this, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like we're both going to do this. And it's so much more rewarding whenever that, when it's, when you get to share it with people. Yeah. I mean, at what point in that race were you like, oh, like this is happening. Like I am going for this. I mean, you were always going for it, but like, when did it click? Like, oh my gosh, this is happening. (laughs) The idea that something special was occurring kind of started to click at 2K. Up until that point, like three laps in, I was still just like, what are you doing? Like, but just, I was like, just focus on backs, you know? And then we got to about a mile and I was kind of yo-yoing a bit and I was like, just get to the 800 meter mark. If you can get to the 800 meter mark to go, you can do this. And so I think by breaking it down into smaller parts, that really helped. But then we got to 2K and I looked at the clock for the first time and it registered how fast we were running. Mm. And I thought, oh my gosh, what have you gotten yourself into? <laughs> but then it was like, I only have 1K to go and I, I still feel all right. Like I'm not blowing myself up. And so I got really excited then because I was just like, I'm going to run really fast today. This is awesome. And so, and then at 600 to go, I passed Chespol. And I was like, oh my gosh, she is really good. Like, (laughs) this is really happening. And then at 400, it's a lap to go. I'm still in it. I was like, I have to, like, I have to go for this. I need to really make a strong effort and not leave it down to a hundred meters. I, I need to put everything into this last lap because this is what Jerry was talking about. This is the special and this is where I need to make the most of this moment. And you know what, if I end up fifth and I know I have everything that last lap, then I'm going to walk away with my head up. But I knew my best chance at doing something was to go early because I, you know, I'm, speed is my weakness and so I was like if I leave it down to 100 meters they're gonna out sprint me mm. so I was like the more I can take advantage of these barriers the better I think the result will be and so Emma having that amazing last water jump and me being like seeing her go I was just like tack on like just stick on as long as you can and it just and in the crowd I can't tell you how amazing the crowd in London was it was incredible to be in that stadium and it's it was really neat to be with fans that they just appreciate good track and field you know it they get excited about lots of storylines and not just their own athletes but just 
track and field. And so it was really neat to be a part of that. And I think that they just propelled us to that finish line. And um, it was one of those moments I got over the last barrier and looked up at the the big screen. And I was like already be- <laughs> like becoming like overwhelmed with emotion because it real I realized like there's only three of us. And I was oh, like, Oh, you knew like you could see. On and the I screen. knew I could see on the screen and I was just like, I'm winning a medal. And it was like, but I don't want bronze. <laughs> you got to keep going. And so, and then of course it was like Emma in front of me. I was like, she's going to win gold. Oh my gosh. And so there was just so many emotions in that last 50 meters that it was like, I was like so happy, but trying like still being engaged, like in the race. And it was just, it was like the craziest eight seconds or whatever. Yeah. Because you're like, I'm going to medal, but then how close I could, can't remember. Cause I did watch the video. How close behind was number three? Oh gosh. Like a half second. So, so you it was one of those like, things. Still had to go. <laughs> it was one of those things that I was just like already getting so excited because I was winning a medal, but it was like, no, I am not getting beat at the line. Like I'm going to win the silver medal. Yeah. I'm not going to get bronze. I'm going to get silver. And so, um, I tried to use that energy, that excitement into like continuing to continuing to push like forward through the line. Well, so the picture of you and Emma like collapsed on the ground. Like (laughs) that's like going to go down as like epic picture of probably (laughs) one of the most epic pictures of your career like tell me about celebrating that with her it was she turned around and saw that it was me there oh I tell you what and she was just excited for me as she was about winning and that tells you that that right there I think is exactly who Emma is she Mm -hmm. just gets so excited about other people I mean last year in Rio when she won the bronze medal first thing we're going through media oh my gosh, how did you guys do? You guys did awesome. Like, that's amazing. Here she is. She just won a medal and she's asking us about our races. And so she turned around, huge smile on her face, was just like, oh my gosh, what did we just do? And I looked at her and I was like, are we dreaming? Like, is this real? Mm. And just like embraced in this hug. And of course I was just like, so overwhelmed with everything. I just collapsed to the ground and it just, it seemed so surreal. And it was one of those things she was like, you know, we finally get up. She's like, we got to go get our flags. And I'm just like walking around like, <laughs> like a chicken with my head cut off. Cause I'm just like, what happened? Like, what, what did, what just happened? And she, I think felt like the mom, like having to drag the little kid around <laughs> that keeps like running off. Cause I just kept going all over the place. Cause I was like in, in such disbelief, like I just couldn't believe it. And, um, you know, I, I'm not normally one. I try not to. I'm usually, I think it's funny because my mom is like a very like emotional person, just in a good way. And my sister and I just are not that way. And I, I broke into, broke out into tears, into tears on the track, which is something like so not like me. And, <laughs> but it just, I think it just, it summed up like, it was not to say that I, the medal necessarily, but just to finally put together a performance where I really felt like I took a risk and went for something was exactly what I needed to happen for this year. Just because, you know, it was it was a very hard year, just a lot of transition. And so to have it, to see it pay off like that was like, okay, like you're doing it, like this was a good decision, all of this. And um, you're, I felt like I had been learning well and and applying those things that I had learned from Rio 
into this race and, um, yeah, hopefully I, you know, can continue doing that. So it's kind of, yeah, capping off like a, a very challenging year in a good way that has me excited for the future for sure. So I read in an article, I think it was with like your local hometown paper, but you Mm -hmm. said, even when you have a positive result, there are so many things you can still learn and very rarely you have a perfect race. Mm -hmm. Would you have called that a perfect race? It's probably close to a perfect race in my head. Um, You know, there's very few that I would sit here and say like, they're pretty close. I think my, when I won NCAAs, I think that's one that I have in my head that was pretty, pretty perfect. Um, I couldn't have really asked for anything more from that race. Um, you know, I think there's still things I could work on. Um, you know, the backstretch in my head or, you know, going back and watching it. Um, and you know, I think Emma's last 100 meters was absolutely phenomenal. And I think she absolutely deserved to win on that day. But, you know, I, I did get shoved wide on that water jump, which is something that I want to learn to kind of like, you know, feel confident to take my spot, you know, and not feel like I have to go wide all the time. Mm, Um, so things like that is, you can tell there, and when I went back and watched the race, you could just tell there are certain, certain times that it looks like I was a little timid and still just a little intimidated, Mm, you know, by the girls I was racing. And, um, I think over time that'll get better, but, um, yeah, I think it's always good to, to learn and also learn, okay, what, what did I do? Well, I was like, well, I was willing to go out a little bit faster than normal. I'm used to be the type of person that I would go out exactly on pace. And, you know, in some races that works really well, but specifically with that steeple race, putting myself up in that, up in that top group right away really paid off because there was such a separation so early mm. And, you know, I know a lot of times I've missed breaks in races because I was running within myself, which worked, but, um, you know, I might've left, there might've been a group in front of me that maybe I could have been with had I been willing to put myself up a little bit further at the beginning. So I think that was a big thing that I pulled away from it, that if you really want to see how far you can get in any sort of race in the sport or anything that taking those risks are worth it at the right time. Yeah. Because if you hadn't done that, do you think you would have been kind of stuck in no man's land in the middle of two packs? Definitely. I think I either potentially would have been stuck in no man's land or I potentially would have ended up falling. Um, mm-hmm. so Gesa Kraus from Germany, um, phenomenal runner. She ran nine eleven this year, nine twelve. Um, she ended up falling, getting tripped, by one of the girls that fell and oftentimes I'm pretty close to her at the beginning of races okay and so that was one of those when I went back and watched a race and realized like all that happened I was like wow I'm like I'm really glad because you know the beginning of especially in the international scene it's very chaotic because there's so many people up in the packs early and which is awesome it it makes for such an awesome level of competition and you also have to you know, take your spot and kind of hold your ground because, you know, there's a little bit more pushing around and things. And um, so I was really, really happy that I made that decision to go up there because it's hard to recover from a fall. And I think she did phenomenal considering that fall 800 meters in to the world championship final. And not only, you know, the fall affects you, but just it's hard mentally whenever something like that happens. 
So I'm reading um, this book. Have you read the book, How Bad Do You Want It? No, I haven't. Do you know, it's Matt Fitzgerald. It's, I mean, it's like a mental strategy book for okay. endurance sports pretty much. But um, oh, cool. one of the things that he's kind of talking about um, where I'm at in the book is like focusing more on an overall strong performance rather than a time. Mm-hmm. And clearly like that's what you did in London, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you said you didn't even look at the clock until mm-hmm. what, how far in were you like 2k or something? Yeah. What can you say? Like as a professional athlete, like what can you say about that uh, topic? I think that's very important. And I think that's something that I'm still learning to this day. Um, I'm very quick to admit I'm very overcalculated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, looking at my watch every hundred meters and things like that, workouts, and that's something that Jerry specifically has really worked with worked with me this year is trusting my instincts mm. because you're a lot stronger as a person than you realize, and you you run so much and you do these repeats and things like that. Your body knows what it needs to do, and so if you let yourself, you let your mind trust your body. Um, I think you're, you allow yourself to take greater risks and end up with much stronger performances. And, you know, we've worked on that in practice where my, I have phenomenal teammates that are amazing at pacing. And if I just learn how to follow them, I'm going to have a good workout versus being like, Oh, we were two seconds fast at hundred. I need to slow down. And then I end up off the pack. Mm. And then not only does that affect you know, my mental mindset, cause I'm like freaking out, like looking too much at the watch and things, but then I'm off the pack and I'm feeling like I'm getting dropped. And so, um, yeah, focusing on just that me, like your instincts of pace and things, um, I think is awesome. And, and, you know, I did that some in college in my workouts, I was definitely very calculated, but a lot of my easy runs, I knew the distances. And so like every Monday was watchless Monday, and I would run six miles and no watch and just run. And I think there's something to be said about learning to trust yourself and and know what easy feels like, know what hard feels like. Um, I think you'll surprise yourself. Do you guys have like a sports psychologist or do you guys work with people on the mental game? I do. Um, so I'm a part of this program called the Talent Protection Program through USATF. It's something they started last year. Um, and it's been a really a positive thing for me. It's the USATF kind of looked at, you know, the number of athletes in what they called the tier are called tier three, which was the post collegiate group that ever make it on to the higher tiers for, you know, funding and, and the funding's all based off results. And they didn't like the percentage. It was very low. And so they're like, what can we do to help these college kids with the transition? Cause it is a lot different when it becomes your career. Mm-hmm. And, um, and part of that is working with a sports psychologist and it's been, it's helped me a lot. Um, and just to, you know, like think about what my goals are or, um, how to approach certain scenarios and things like that. And that's like, you know, I've already been talking with mine about how to approach this next year. Um, you know, I don't want to go into a race playing defense. I want to go in and have new goals and go after them and attack them, not feel like there's some expectation or things like that. So I, I'm super interested in, in like the psychology field as well. So, but, so that is very interesting to me, but I also think it's 
such a, a huge part of running is um, learning the mental side of it. Now, you guys, you ran nine nine minutes, three point seven seven seconds. Mm-hmm. Do you want to break nine minutes? <laughs> I do absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, watching Ruth Jabet do it last year, and we finally had some. We finally had people breaking nine again. Because the world record had been 8.58. I think it was set by a Russian. And so it seemed a bit out there still. Because it was like, oh, I don't even know about that performance. But, like if it was um, Yeah, which, you know, I I hate to, I try just to not even think about sure. that kind of stuff. Not yeah. get jaded by it. But um, seeing Ruth Jabet do it. And then seeing Emma run 9.07. I was like, you know, like, we're getting there. 9.07 is really close. I mean, that's a second per lap. And, you know that was still a four second PR for Emma. And I was, you know what? Like it's possible. Like, and I think an American woman can do it. And it was one of those, like I knew I was so far away, but it was like, you know, like I don't see any reason. I think having a really big out there goal, whatever it is, is really important because you never know. And I think that allows you to then set smaller goals along the way to a bigger goal. And so I was like, you know what? Like, why not? Like I want to try and break nine minutes someday in my career. And so, um, it's always kind of been in the back of my head. And now that I've run 903 and I'm like, I'm like, yes, yes, I have to go for this. And so, um, Jerry says the race is on to see who, um, to see whether I can break nine minutes first or Evan can break eight minutes first. Cause he's obviously been chasing eight minutes for a while and he has run eight flat and, Oh, eight flat. Oh God. And I know he is so capable of doing it, but a lot of those barriers, a lot of times are, um, you know, dependent on, you know, on, on the right race happening, especially in the men's like you, you know, you need it set up at a certain pace through 2k. And luckily on the women's side, we have several women right now that are a few that can run sub nine. And so I think if I can get into one of those, like there's, there's a chance and I think Emma could do it too. And, um, you know, I hope Colleen, that's one of her goals as well. Cause I think the more that people we have going after it here in the U S I think, um, the closer we're going to get to it. And, it's yeah it's so much more fun when you're working together with people towards these goals hello everybody i know you're loving my conversation with courtney isn't she adorable and strong and awesome i want to thank two more sponsors before we continue the conversation with courtney the first is the donna marathon You guys, the Donna Marathon Weekend is the national marathon to finish breast cancer. It's the only marathon in the U.S. dedicated to breast cancer research and care. The Donna Foundation provides financial assistance and support to families living with breast cancer and funds groundbreaking research. The course is flat, it's fast, and it's a great Boston qualifier. I am headed to Jacksonville in February to run the race. Super excited about it. It's my first time running this race and... I am planning on running hard and enjoying a weekend with wonderful people. You know who goes to this race every year is Joan Benet Samuelson. Super cool. You guys can use the promo code Lindsay15 to get 15% off your entry fee. So if you head over to breastcancermarathon.com, you can register and use the promo code Lindsay15 to get 15% off your entry fee. All right, I also want to thank Zappos for supporting this podcast. Did you guys know that Zappos has running gear now? 
They have shoes, they have shorts, they have sports bras, they have underwear, they have tops, all kinds of great stuff. And if you don't know, now you know that Zappos has fast and free shipping on every order. They have free and easy returns, 24-7 customer service, 365-day return policy. Zappos can't make you run, that's up to you, but Zappos can make you run better because they understand that running is never just about the run itself. They have really good brands over there, you guys. Go check it out, zappos.com. I'll have links to check out their site over in the show notes, lindsayhine.com. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Courtney. What is what does 2018 look like? It's like kind of a down year for you a little bit. Yeah. Races, huh? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we'll still run our U.S. champs. Um, I think I might run U.S. cross still again because. You were doing that indoor- last year, right? Like, yeah. You were headed yep. up for that after our interview. Yep. Which was super fun. Um, I qualified for the world cross team, but I declined my spot just because um, we really wanted to focus on the track season. So I think it was, I think it was a smart decision to do that. But um, for me, I'm much more like Emily um, Enfeld and I come from the more strength side and the longer distances. So the steeple is a really good event be- for me because of my gymnastics background. Okay. But I'm much more geared toward the long stuff. And so it's fun for me. And I think important in my training to do, you know, some of that like five, 10 K work in the winter and spring. So we'll focus on that. I think we'll focus on that kind of stuff over doing like the indoor circuit, just as that's, you know, Shelby and Colleen are so fast, like so fast. So for them, like running the mile is so exciting and they're so good at it. So I'll let them have that. <laughs> they can <laughs> they can go do that and then I'll stick to the cross country and the 5K and stuff. So I'm excited for that. And then, yeah, we'll run US Champs and hopefully get into a few more Diamond Leagues this year. Um, with the changes in the Diamond League schedule, we didn't really get many opportunities to run them this year. We did go to Doha early on just to see about getting trying to get a few diamond league points to try and make the diamond league final but um it was just really early I also came down with food poisoning (laughs) while we were there the day before and tried to race and it went really terrible really terrible so um hopefully no more of that and yeah I'm excited I know it'll be good to do some of the diamond league races especially because they're a little bit more time trial like in that, you know, you don't have the prelim final sort of setup, okay. and the, you know, the Kenyans and Richard Bet in particular are really good at that time trial-like setup, and I was watching the Diamond League final since I couldn't get into the final from certain points, and, you know, they're really successful with that really fast middle K, and, you know, I think us Americans don't particularly like racing that way, but that's how she, Ruth Jabet was successful in Rio, so, um, I want to spend next year learning how to handle that fast middle K. So being in some of those Simon League races, I think will allow for that opportunity to learn how to be in a race that is, you know, a little outside my comfort zone. What, what country is Ruth Jabet from? So she's Kenyan, but she represents Bahrain. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. I interrupted you. What were you saying? Oh, no, you're good. Oh, and then I think we do want to like, hopefully have a couple fast ones too, like to, you know, see about the nine minute barrier and, um, you know, hopefully get some, I think that'd be 
this is the year and try to try and chase that. I think. Okay. Since so, it's um okay, I think I'm coming off a really solid year this year, and um, I had a, I just there were a lot of workouts that indicated the fitness and things. So, um, you know, I, I don't. I think it'd be fun to try and go for it. And a different kind of pressure than like a world stage where you're doing exactly. Yeah, yeah. It'll be a good opportunity to chase a time. Yeah. Um, since there isn't, you know, peaking for the world champs and, you know, world champs and Olympics, if I run nine fifty and I win gold, right. I'm, you know, I won gold. <laughs> so, um, you know, that in particular is a time that you don't want to like time does essentially got the, the window. So I think it, it would be fun to, to do some set. I think we've talked about doing some know, fast races, which I think would be a lot of fun. And hopefully like a 5k too, because I really wanted to run a 5k on the track this year. And, um, you know, Emily did so well and she ran 1456, I think, which got me really excited to try a five. And so, um, hopefully, hopefully that'll happen too. What's your 5k PR? Uh, it's 1531 right now. Um, I ran that in college. So so. it's been a while. Yeah, it's been two years. So, um, I was really happy about that in college, but now I'm like, I'm a professional. I want to try and get <laughs> in the low 15s or break 15. And, um, and you know, I know Shelby wants, I mean, Shelby, I think if we can get like a 5k set up, I think she's going to run so fast. Like she, it'll, it'll be so much fun to see, to see her do that. So, um, you know, the world finals just all go funky with the fives usually. So yeah, the thing like, really slow at the beginning and yeah I have to say after my interview with you guys after talking to Shelby I was like man Shelby she just seems like she doesn't get nervous and she just gets excited to like work hard and get after it (laughs) yes she is so much fun to have around at workouts and just such an amazing like person to have on the team because you get to workouts and she's like yes it's workout day (laughs) Here I am, like nervous. Yeah, uh huh. Because I'm like, oh, like I'm gonna get dropped again. This is gonna be but hard. <laughs> when you see that, yeah, when you see that, you're like, no, like this is the exciting part. Like, okay, I'm gonna try and channel Shelby's energy. Yeah. And so they had all gone away for a weekend while we were in St. Moritz, and I was actually in St. Moritz by myself, and because they'd all competed, and I wasn't competing that weekend, and um, so I we had a USSC guy with us, Randy Wilbur, who was amazing and took really good care of us. And so it was him and I at the track and I had this big workout and I knew it was going to be really hard. And I was like, okay, what would Shelby do right now? (laughs) What would she be like in this situation? And so I was just really trying to get excited about this workout. And, you know, I was, you know, listening to some music to get myself ready to go. And I was just really trying to channel like Shelby like energy and I ended up having one of my best workouts of my life and so I was like yeah there's something to do this like I think it just like gets you like in a positive mood and you know positive thought goes a long way as far as um, trying to run fast yeah I mean it's almost like she's clearly wired that way mm-hmm. yeah um but you guys all just did recently the fifth avenue mile yes we did tell me about that it was so much fun, like an incredible event. New York Roadrunners does an amazing job putting it on. And it's a really neat way to finish the season, um, you know, with just 
an amazing group of people and, you know, people that you get to know throughout the year. And so you get to kind of like all celebrate with this one race, um, to finish it off a fun race that you don't do all that often, you know, a road mile. And, um, it was definitely a really good opportunity for me to step outside my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the mile is still a very scary event for me cause it's very fast and kind of outside of my wheelhouse, but that's, it's good. I think it's super, it's just as important as running your own event as it is to run things outside of your comfort zone because you're going to grow as an athlete. And so it was, you know, it was, a, it was a new experience for me. You know, I was on the front row, front and center, and, um, you know, kind of like one of my first big races back from the medal. And so that was kind of new. And it was a good place to do that, though, because everybody was just having fun and um, enjoying the moment. And so um, I ran a mile PR, which was fun. Oh, and cool. it was really hard. <laughs> But I'm glad I did it, and I hopefully I hopefully be able to do it again because they do such a good job putting it on, and um, you know it's fun to finish your season in New York City. Yeah, and I got giant milkshakes after that are you know like the Instagram worthy milkshakes. <laughs> so. Instagram worthy. Now, did you what did you run like a 4:31 or something? Yeah. Yeah, and then I mean you had like all of your teammates were there, right? I mean most of the girls that you're with a lot. Yeah, so it was um, Shelby, Colleen, Emily, and I, and um, just, yeah, so much fun. Shelby and I traveled there and back together, and um, it it was the perfect race for all of us to kind of finish off together, and, you know, like, of course, like, of course, we're all competitive, and we want to do really, really well, but we're also just so excited to all be out there together, so it was really cool. (laughs) Tell me about your, like, friendship with them and what that means to be on a team together. Yeah, it's my friendship with them is so important. Um, and I think it's been huge in not only my success, but just like my like happiness in the sport. Um, I had an incredible team experience in 2015 and 2016 here at the University of New Mexico. And, and it really changed my perspective on running. And like I said, at UMKC, I had wonderful, wonderful girls there on the team, but I trained alone. And that started to get kind of hard. And then I came, you know, transferred and had a wonderful group of women that I could train with. And so I knew I wanted that in a professional team. And as soon as I visited with our men, I knew that that was what was going on. Um, It's like a group of women that not only are they dedicated to the sport, but they're dedicated to each other and invested in each other. And you know, get just excited about other performances, uh, other people's performances as they do their own. Um, you know, several times throughout the summer, Shalane was texting me like, I hear you had a, an amazing workout. Like, don't be afraid to go for a big goal this summer and things like that. Like, and, um, you know, I saw Amy on my victory lap and I think, and I think she was, just as excited about her own medal as mine. And Shelby and I felt the same way during um, Amy's race. Like literally I felt like we'd run the marathon because we were just so emotionally exhausted from like the highs and everything of that race. And so not only does it bring the best out in you um, as an athlete, but it also makes it 
just that much more fun because you know running is hard it's a lot of hard work and I think anybody can agree with that that's a runner um but it's so much better when you get to share it with somebody I always see Emily's um Instagram stories and Mm -hmm. you guys are so fun (laughs) but I mean so I'm 10 years older than you and I can just just even looking at you guys I'm like these are the relationships that you, maybe you'll still be best friends in 10 years or whatever, but you guys are going to remember this and it's going to be so special. And even when you're my age and when you're 44 and when you're 54, like you're going to have these like female friendships that are so important. And so I can just see that you guys have something really special. Yeah. I definitely feel that like when I'm with them and I wouldn't want it any other way. Um, I feel like, you know, I, I do feel like we empower each other and even, you know, not just like off the track, on the track, but off the track. Um, you know, every, someone's always stepping up to help somebody else during a workout if somebody's struggling. And, um, it's just, it's so much more, it's so much, so much more special whenever you're, you're with people. And, um, you know, that was something, you know, Colleen obviously did not get the world champs race she wanted to have and deserved to have. And so I initially had had plans to go home after Birmingham and then it got brought up me pacing. And obviously, I mean, she's the one that ran the race and did amazing, but I was like, you know what, if I can help her to have like some sliver of redemption over not getting to run worlds, like I want to try and help that, you know, help her. So I was able to pace her through 2k and try and give her, you know, you know, a bit of a moment that she didn't get before. And so it's neat to have teammates that you're able to do those things. And, um, so I, I absolutely love it. And I'm so happy that it seems like in the U S especially we've been moving toward that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, training individually is fine. I think it's important to do runs on your own sometimes. Like I have days that I run on my own still because I do enjoy it. I enjoy having my thoughts with my, you know, and myself and everything, but training with other people is, is I think a huge key to success. So will you guys, so will you be in Portland now? Like most of the, most of the year when you're not traveling for races? Yes. So I've been in Portland for a couple weeks. I took a trip home to my parents' house, um, during my like time off. And then I took a trip to to Colorado to um, visit a friend, my a good friend, Rona, who ran at the University of Mexico with me. And we actually went up to Emma's race and things like that. And then went back to Portland for a little bit. And then on a whim, I'm, I'm in Albuquerque right now um, <laughs> because my husband's brother, the, I don't know if you've ever heard the, uh, the balloon fiesta down here. Well, I just, um, I was looking at your Instagram before we got on the phone and I saw your post that something about a balloon. I saw a bunch of balloons in the air. Mm-hmm. So there's this huge balloon fiesta down here. It's a big event every year. It's incredible. Um, like four or 500 hot air balloons. Oh, wow. So, um, Griffin's brother, Ben flies in hot air or flies hot air balloons. So he was flying in the event. And so I decided on Tuesday that I was going to come down for the last couple of days and just spend a few days down here before we start really getting going and training just I love, A, I love altitude training, but B, Albuquerque is a really special place in my heart. And so um, to get to see some of the girls and stuff and just, 
you know, talk to them and see how things are going before they really get into postseason um, was really important too because they have a really good team this year. And um, I think they have a really positive vibe going and I'm excited about the direction they're moving. So to get to see them and um, visit a few of my favorite food places, everything's been a lot of fun. And then, and then yeah, we'll, I'll be in Portland for, for a few months. Um, wouldn't surprise me if we have another, um, you know, winter altitude trip, which is a lot of fun. And then um, Portland again for a few months before we spend most of the summer out of, uh, living out of the suitcase. <laughs> are you one of the, are, do most people like training at altitude? Cause you said you love running at altitude. I think a lot of people have like a love hate relationship with it. Okay. Um, it's one of those things, you know, it's like really good for you and you get a lot of benefit from it, uh-huh. but it is harder. Um, I think because I lived at altitude for a year, I adjust pretty quickly to it just from that experience. And I have I have such positive, uh, such a positive association with altitude because I had a really enjoyable year at altitude and had a successful year that I'm like, yeah, altitude training, this is awesome. Um, and typically that means that there's going to be more sun Yeah. as well. <laughs> Portland doesn't like the sun. So, um, yeah, I really, I do enjoy altitude training and I think it provides a lot of benefits. So we all definitely, um, you know, I think, the the being away from home does get hard sometimes, but we all definitely have bought into like the benefits of altitude, and so I think it's important piece of our puzzle for success. So you um, you majored in chemistry. Mm-hmm. What I mean, clearly you probably have like a solid like ten years at least of of running professionally in you depending on what you do with your life. But like what beyond running, like in your life, have you ever thought about like, Oh, maybe I'll do something with that. Or do you want to? Um, so my initial plan when I went away to school was actually to graduate in three years and go into, med- go to medical school. Okay. Um, and then I ended up going five years and, um, you know, it's funny, you can't force your life a certain direction is basically what college taught me. And, um, and you shouldn't, you know, you should kind of let follow the path that's, in front of you. And so, but I have thought about going back to medical school. Um, the girls give me a hard time sometimes cause I'm kind of, I like rebought like a t- I like bought a textbook and that's what I've been <laughs> reading, but I love, I like love, like I love science and What's things. The textbook so. on? Well, this one's actually called the young female athlete. Okay. So it's like kind of like a clinical type textbook that just kind of discusses like nutrition and different injuries and things. Cause I really wanted to go into, um, orthopedics, um, non-surgical. So I really wanted to work with female athletes. Mm, okay. Um, having grown up doing gymnastics, I had a lot of injuries and things. And so I had a really good relationship with my orthopedic. And, but I think that there's a lack of, and it's interesting because this book was published in 2016. And I found that interesting because I think that, you know, they kind of alluded to the fact too, that I always felt like there was a lack of understanding, that like a female athlete does need to be treated differently than kind of the approach of like a male. Mm-hmm. And um, so I kind of felt like I could provide a good insight as far as that goes, since I had competed in sports at a high level. Um, I felt like I could have that sort of sympathy, I guess, to an extent of what maybe they were going through. And But um, we'll see. I don't know. I've met a lot of really awesome people 
through the USOC and things like that. And I think it would be really cool to do some of their jobs as far as that goes. Um, I definitely just know I want to stay in working with athletes um, and something in the health field. I have a half my master's done in community health, okay. which was re- it was really a cool um, experience getting to do it in Albuquerque because it provided me a lot of opportunities to work with communities that I wouldn't have gotten to otherwise, native communities, um, things like that. And I think it kind of opened my eyes on healthcare because I was kind of used to my unique situation and it's very different than others. And it's amazing what you can learn when you go in to a community and say, teach me, like, let, like, you know, your community better than I do. Like you teach me and then we can figure out how to help you. Mm, That's really good. Um, really loved the program. I've been trying to work with them still about, um, trying to finish it just cause I would love to have my master's completed and, um, hopefully I'll be able to get that sorted. How much but longer do you have? I have one year. So two okay. semesters. Okay. Um, you know, in hindsight, I should have taken more classes while I was in school that year, but it was one of those things that I kind of transferred last minute and didn't know what grad school was going to be like. And so I just did kind of the, the minimum, Mm-hmm. And then I kind of, like, I finished that year. I was like, man, like, I should have taken more classes because I loved that program so much. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I can get it worked out because it's a, it's a really neat program. And I just, I do enjoy school and learning and things. So <laughs> that's been an adjustment this year, like, to not have school. Oh, sure. <laughs> so, you have to, so you have to buy textbooks and read textbooks. Yep. This one's been really interesting, though. Like, you know, I have my little notebook and I take notes and <laughs> Like you're in everything. school. Yeah, You're it's kind of nice though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's nice though because I don't have the pressure of like any sort of test or paper. Sure. So I actually feel like I'm kind of enjoying it more. But my next one, I'm going to rebuy one of my human biochemistry books and oh my gosh. kind of freshen up just because there's a good chance if I do decide to go back to medical school after I'm done, you know, I want to run as long as I possibly can. And, um, but there's a good chance I'll have to retake some classes because oh, sure. I think they only really like allow you to use ones that are within five years. And so I'm like, well, if I can stay on top of it, then hopefully that'll help if I go back for some of those prereqs. Yeah. So I wasn't going to ask, I wasn't even thinking about asking this question, but just you talking about the young female athlete and everything. Did you see like in college, I mean, you're so fresh out of college, but just in your high school and college and even now, like, do you see, um, female athletes competing at a high level struggling with eating disorders and things like that? Absolutely. I mean, that's actually kind of the area of interest I have specifically with like the female athlete triad and things. Um, most of my research or, you know, um, any sort of papers, things like that, especially in grad school, were on that topic. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of it, you know, in gymnastics, there were a lot of pressures from coaches and things and you know, I heard coaches make comments of you could afford to lose five pounds to girls. And, you know, I did have teammates that I would never say had an eating disorder, but definitely had disordered eating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in gymnastics, you're just like track and field. I mean, your body is on display. And so it's definitely, it's something that I'm passionate about because I don't like to see people struggling like that. And so... I think we're moving in a positive direction. You know, it kind of like 
ebbs and flows as far as I think how the, the NCAA goes. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely out there and, you know, I hope I, I tried as hard, best as I could to be a positive role model and influence for people while I was in college to be like, you know, focus on eating balanced and love your body and, um, you know, everyone's unique and different and learn what your strengths are and be proud of those and don't obsess over the idea of what someone else's strength is. So, I mean, do you just view, do you view food as fuel and then for lack of a better term, I would say fun, you know, like it's enjoyable to eat a pizza, things like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like anyone that knows me knows I have a major sweet tooth. Yeah. And I, I enjoy cooking and I think that that's big. If you can learn how to cook different things and learn, you know, just like running becomes more fun once you understand the process of training. Mm -hmm. Um, food becomes more fun when you understand how to cook and the process of getting it prepared and, and everything. And it's fun when I taught myself how to cook in college. And I think that that was really important. So I like learned how to feel myself well. And just to, I always focused, yeah, on trying to be a strong athlete out there. So, um, yeah, I think, I, I, I think we're moving in a good direction as far as that goes. I hope I just, I hate to see people struggling in that area because we all, we all try to compare ourselves to other people. It's human nature, Mm -hmm. but the, the most important, like the best thing you can do for yourself is take a step back and be like, I need to do what is best for me to be the best Courtney on that day. And that means me figuring out myself and fueling myself, taking care of myself, sleeping and recovering and um, taking care of all those details. And, you know, you see specifically with running and running at a high level that happened because people get obsessed with the idea of a result or things like that. And um, when you focus on doing all the little things that you can, details and taking care of yourself so you step on the starting line, the best version of yourself, that's what you should focus on, not the idea of a result. Mm. I think that will help. That helps with prioritizing um, taking care of your body. What what is your like go-to pre-race meal? So pre-race, I keep it pretty basic. Um, I'm such a weirdo in the morning of races. I eat Fruit Loops. <laughs> Fruit Loops. I love that. I know. So I just had like a good race one time after having Fruit Loops <laughs> in the morning. So I still do it. So funny. Um, such a dork. But so I actually like brought like a pack of Fruit Loops to London this year so that I could have them. And, awesome. um, but throughout the day I eat pretty like simple stuff. And so I people are like, Oh, what do you, I'm like, you just, experiment on run like on workout days so that way you aren't trying on a race day mm-hmm. but you know like bagel with peanut butter or almond butter and banana and raspberries um applesauce pretty basic things just um if I have a really late night race and I'm in the U.S. a lot of times I'll go to Jimmy John's I don't really again I don't really know why but it's a good it's a night you know an easy sandwich and um things like that. And I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I'm I'm a stereotypical runner. I eat pasta with meat sauce the night before or spaghetti and meatballs. And, um, yeah, it's interesting because you, I mean, 
you guys race so late in the day. I mean, most people, Mm -hmm. most people that I talk to are like running marathons or whatever, and they're always running at like 7am. But yeah, Mm -hmm. you have to like get through the whole day. Yeah. And it's one of those things that you want to eat enough because you don't want to be hungry. Yeah. But you also don't want to eat something like super high protein or with a lot of fiber or, um, a lot of breads is what I end up yeah. eating. Just a lot of bread. Well, that is which a good is fine. Life. Yeah, that's a good yeah. life. Lots of carbs is that's fine. Yep. Um, um, sometimes oh. like plain pasta or things like that. Yeah. Okay, Courtney. So, a couple of questions. What's the best, most recent book you've read? I'm currently also reading the "You Are a Badass" book. Oh. Recommended. Yes, yeah. recommended by Emily Shelby and Colleen Mall. Just because, um, as some throughout the summer, I'd been struggling a little bit before worlds with my like self-confidence and things just from the transition of being a college athlete to a professional athlete. And so just helping me to kind of change my perspective on not playing the comparison game and stuff like that. So I've really been enjoying that book so far. Yeah. I remember Shelby, um, recommended that on our podcast and yeah, that's one of the ones that I've been like, you know, cause I always ask that question and have recommendations and that's one of the ones I'm like, I really actually want to mm-hmm. do that. Emily, I like was rooming in Emily with Emily at Worlds, and I said, I asked her, I was like, okay, I'm gonna read one chapter before the race. Like, which one should I read? She was like, uh, and she had me read the chapter on commitment, mm. and it was perfect because it was like, it was like, you're not going to stay committed to a plan if you're still like wishy washy on it. It was like you have to go in already having decided that's what's gonna happen. Ooh. And so for me, it was like Jerry had told me the race plan the night the day before, and I was like you know, still nervous about it. I was like, no, I was like, I'm committed to this plan. This is what's happening. And I'm going to trust him on this and I'm going to do it. And so it was really, really good for, I don't know. It's applicable to to a lot of things with running, I think. Yeah. That's like mental game. Like, okay, (laughs) mile 14 of this marathon. I'm struggling mentally, but like my plan is to run this pace. I'm doing it. Yep. That's good. Or just be like, I'm committing to running this pace until mile 18. And then I'm going to shift and and have a new game plan or things like that, you know? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, I'm running a marathon in three weeks. And so I'm going to bring that with me to my mental game for sure. Um, what, and uh, one more question. What's, I feel like I might know the answer, but maybe you'll throw me for a loop. What's an accomplishment you're most proud of? Oh gosh, man. Um, I know. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm really proud of my silver medal, Yeah. but you know, that's not just, I don't know. I know like it's, I won the medal, but I think it's an accomplishment of a lot of people. So, um, Oh, sure. Yeah. Like you mean you're I'm proud of it, and... but, um, I'm also, I'm also feeling very fortunate to have a lot of people in my corner as far as, um, having been able to accomplish that. So speaking of that, what's, what's something special about your coach? I know you guys always talk about Jerry all the time. Yeah. Jerry is, he's got this way to get you to just believe in him and trust. Like he gets so excited about like good workouts or, um, things like that. And he isn't going to tell you something you can't do. And so I think that that's a lot, like a really important thing in a coach. And so you really want to like kind of let go and trust him. Um, and he tells you something, if you can, he thinks you can do it, then, that's huge. Um, so he's a very trustworthy person and I think that's been really big. And he also is such 
I think specifically for a professional coach, he's awesome because he has like exactly the right like level of being there when we need him, but also allowing us to take ownership of our careers. Mm. And I think that's really cool. And that's, um, you know, a lot of coaches, it's hard for them sometimes to take a step back and allow their athletes to have certain a certain say in like how they're going to do their mileage or things like that. And, you know, in certain, especially, you know, from high school to college and then professional, at certain stages, you need a different type of coach. But I think he's a really good professional coach because he, you know, is there when we need him to be there, but then allows us to really make a lot of decisions with our training. Otherwise that we feel like it really is our, our career, our training. And I think you're a lot more committed to, your training when you feel like you have a say in it man you know what that's really good advice for like any kind of boss too you know just mm-hmm. like even in just like your everyday work f- workforce like how you treat your employees mm-hmm. you know yeah give them ownership yeah that's-, that's like you know like our easy runs like if I wanted to run my easy runs by myself every single day for a week that's fine and he doesn't care yeah like and if I, that's what I need to do, he trusts that I need to do that. And he's not, he doesn't care. He just wants me to be there for the workouts ready to go. And that's like, you know, a boss is going to want you there for the meeting ready to go. Sure. Yeah. And so. Totally. Yeah. It's really cool. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for taking your time on a Sunday to talk to me. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited that we're able to. To do this. Do this again. Well, congratulations yeah, on such a successful you. year. You've had such a big year. Um, silver medal and you got <laughs> married. So I know. It's like know, a big a, year for you. Hopefully. I know. It's every year we're like, okay, this year is going to be a little bit more calm. <laughs> we just, just keep winning medals though. That's yeah, the deal. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. So. That'll work out fine. Um, okay. Well, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thank you. You do the same. Okay. Bye, Courtney. Bye. Okay, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Courtney, for coming on the show and sharing your story. Can't wait to watch you progress in your career and all the awesome things that lie ahead of you. Thank you, Generation You Can, for supporting the podcast. You guys, again, try out their samples. Go to generationyoucan.com slash samples. Use the promo code ANOTHER, all caps, to get an additional 15% off your order. You can also use that promo code ANOTHER to get it 15% off any order you make. Thank you, Zappos, for supporting this podcast. Check out their running site. They've got all kinds of gear and shoes and great stuff. And you guys, come run the Donna Marathon with me. It's the weekend of February 9th to 11th in Jacksonville, Florida. Hello. I'm going to get out of Indiana for a weekend in February. That's amazing. And I'm going to run a marathon, hopefully pretty fast. You guys can use the code Lindsay 15 to get 15% off your entry fee. If you do plan on going, let me know so we can meet up. All right, guys, and once again, if you are loving the show, I would really, really appreciate it if you would leave me a rating and review on iTunes. It really is super helpful in helping new listeners find us. So if you haven't done that yet and you're tuning in every week and you're liking what you hear, I would appreciate it so much if you would go do that. You guys, don't forget, we are doing a book club. If you go to Facebook and go to the page, I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. We've got a little group going where we talk about the book and we talk about all kinds of other things that uh, have to do with the podcast on there with our guests and all kinds of fun things going on. You guys can find me on Instagram, lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter at lindsayhine. And you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. 
All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and you have a wonderful Friday. Have a great weekend, and as always, I'll see you next Friday.